start that. Uh, when we look at as a social science in and of itself, we see that we're the study of people, groups, and society and the interaction between those. Uh, and so it's, it's, it is a science in, in that we use methodology that then can be replicated or repeated by other social scientists who are interested in the same topic. And so it has that evolving nature of science within it. Uh, and then finally, when we get down to a, a lower level of social interaction, it is a scientific study of social aggregates, the entities through which humans move throughout their lives. And for example, next week, we will talk about a very predominant uh, theory within sociology, and it even permeates into psychology and anthropology, and that is social identity theory and about how we identify with groups and how that provides some type of identification for us as individuals. Some popular social identities that are really given to us by a society and the, the views of a society is example, a mother or a father, uh, your job title, uh, student is a form of social identity, but they all provide us with some type of meaning on an individual level and have motivational forces that have even shown to uh, help with uh, things such as alleviation, alleviating depressive symptoms and anxiety symptoms in people who suffer from those psychological disorders. In fact, uh, uh, one of the number one recommendations for people who are treating people with depression and anxiety is to focus on their identity and their identity with others because research has consist consistently shown that that type of identity, who we belong to, has healing powers for the individual. And so sociology is all about that as well, about how we connect with our world. And, and I think I've expressed in here before that human beings are very much a social being. Um, we should compare ourselves more with bees and ants than we should with uh, lone animals that, that, that largely exist on their own, like panthers and, and the like, is that we really rely on each other to exist. And indeed, if we look at research uh, that was unethically done during World War II, done by the Nazis and other parties, we find that when we isolate an individual from all human contact, meaning smell, hearing, and sight, and touch. But we provide them with all the necessary food and water and warmth and all of those things that are supposed to biologically sustain us, right? But if we cut a person off from other people, the body does something interesting. It starts to decompensate as if it's starving from food and water. It goes through a dehydration process. It goes through a starvation process. And so our social world is very important to us. And when we cut off from all contact to the social world, we actually do start to 
basically pass away, which is an important thing to consider when we're talking about sociology and the importance of our social world. Um, if we place this within the social sciences, we have anthropology, which we will borrow from a lot in this class, which is an overall arcing themes of people and the way they live or lived. And uh, sandwiched between that is sociology, and then under that is psychology, which is a study of behavior and mental processes. And then we have sociology that connects kind of those two types of social sciences together to say, this is the meaning of social systems. This is why we need other people. And then in the lecture, uh, I mentioned that there's two reoccurring themes, whether we're studying a small work group within an organization, or we're studying a culture there tends to be two themes that are, are reoccurring within each of these structures. And in, indeed, I will tell you that I teach a group process class where uh, it teaches uh, students uh, group facilitation skills for people who are suffering from, for example, addiction or some type of mental illness. And even within those therapeutic groups, we find consensus and we find conflict. Um, and so even within a therapeutic setting, we still see these two themes. The first one is consensus. And this is what people share together. It's our norms and values. The second one is conflict. And this occurs due to the inequality of power, life and death differences. And we actually have a theory that goes into conflict. I, if I remember right, it's called conflict theory that says due to the limited resources available to us within any group, whether it be a societal one or a working group, there, there's always going to be an inequality of those who have and those who don't have. And that will, that commonly creates conflict. Now, we often think as conflict as a negative thing, but if we always have consensus on something, we never will grow or evolve. So conflict and consensus, consensus keeps us together. Conflict, if it is used correctly, if it's, if it's done productively, creates growth within a group. But there are situations in which, uh, and we'll see these within this class where there are people who have and don't have the wealthy and the poor. And we'll always see this disadvantage, especially when we get into larger societal and cultural groups, which then can stagnate growth within a group or a society, okay? And then we talked uh, in that video in more, more detail than I will do here about three kind of theories that tend to drive a lot of sociological um, uh, inquiry. The first one, and they're all set on a different level. Macro means overall. Mid-level is it's within groups among a larger uh, setting and micro is more individual to individual interaction. 
And on the macro to mid-level, we have structural functionalism, which is one, we want to know what the function of a societal group is and what its structure is. So this answers the question, what is the purpose of education? What is the purpose of government? What is the purpose of religion? Uh, what is the purpose of uh, monetary systems? And, and in this framework, we want to know what the structure is. So how is it built? What is its method? And then what function does it give to make sure that society is sustained and, and continues? Um, and we will see sometimes, again, this can grow a society, as we can see in, in the growth of technology and the growth of, of, of advents and transportation and, and flight and all of those things. But it can also stagnate a society. Uh, um, in some cases, uh, boarding schools is an example of stagnation because it tried to integrate uh, individuals inappropriately. Uh, 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 genocide is another example of a, a structural functional type of situation. So we will see this and how it works within, within societies as both a potential for growth, but also as a potential for stagnation and falling into uh, even worse conditions than when they started. Conflict theory goes back to one of those two common things that we see within any group is that the way inequalities are, uh, contribute to social differences and perpetrate differences in power. Now, again, there are good qualities to conflict and then there are bad qualities to conflict. Good conflict gets people to talk and gets people to grow and develop socially. Negative conflict is when there is one power group that doesn't want to share, if you wanna put it in those terms, or, or, or want to maintain their power. Therefore, they create conflict in other classes or in other groups to keep them where they are. And that is a stagnation type of conflict. And it, it, it results in non-growth. It results in a lot of the social wrongs that we'll talk about in this class, such as prejudice, discrimination, classism, and those types of things. On the micro level, we have what's called symbolic in interactionism. Uh, and this is the one-to-one -one interaction and communication. And this comes down to language. It comes to visual representation. It's how we communicate to each other our cultural beliefs, our attitudinal beliefs, um, and, and those types of things. And, and I want to spend a little bit more time. I ended in the last lecture on symbolic interactionism, and I kind of want to pick up on that here in a minute. But I did want to ask, does anybody have any questions on the definition, the two common uh, uh, threads that we see, or these any of uh, these three theories. Does anybody have any questions? You can put your answer in the chat, or you can unmute yourself and let me know. 
Um, I had a question. I know what uh, micro and macro are, but what is um, mid? What does it mean to be mid? So yeah, mid-level theory is. Uh, let, let me try and uh, put it on an organizational level. So the macro level would be like your CEO or your, your corporate financial officer, right? And on the micro level, you would be the people who produce and sell uh, the product in the organization. The mid-level would be those mid-level managers that take what the CEO says and then communicates it down to that micro level to the to the individuals who are actually doing the production and the sales. Does that help? Yeah, that does. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. So if we put this on a larger cultural level, let's let, let's look at like social services, because I know we have some social workers in here and we have some ECE uh, students in here. Uh, so this would be, you know, Congress makes a law, uh, let's say uh, the protection of um, uh, children as an example. So then that law is then interpreted on the mid-level about what, how that law should be uh, uh, distributed, how that law should go out. And then that's communicated to the micro level, which is the providers and the organizations who are actually doing the work. So that's an, kind of another example of those, okay? Any other questions? No question. All right, thank you, Marissa. Okay. So I wanted to go and talk a little bit more about the symbolic interactionism because this is where a lot of our cultural uh, ways are, are communicated. It's not always communicated by uh, you know, if we think about it on, on, on a level, a high government level or, or, or by the president or someone like that, it's usually communicated uh, first through maybe some local mid-news uh, medias, but then it's discussed on individual levels, between individuals. Um, and we know that societies have used symbols to communicate many things about the way we should have attitudes towards others, the way we should stereotype, the way we should discriminate. And so I wanted to go over some images, uh, most of them from the past, uh, I'm glad, but, to, but a lot of them still permeate our attitudes towards different groups. So if we look at, for example, um, uh, propaganda from World War II, um, we can look at different propaganda machines to look at how, how cultures, cultures are relayed, okay? So we can see some examples here. This is from the Reagan era uh, where it shows that he's, uh, he's 
wants to use nuclear weapons during the Cold War. We can see some other examples about how here, how Nazis bind individuals. Uh, we can see here, about uh, we can even see in in some cases virtue being used against countries so here we have the opposing country uh killing uh, christ again um if we look at uh, some of these other ones such as uh propaganda towards greed and the enemy being greedy usually depicted uh, with servants underneath um greedy person uh, large. In this one, we see the virtuous man and the beast. And the thing I want everyone to keep in mind is, is this is information that is not sent to the other side. This is information that is sent to the citizens of that country. So it's us who are virtuous and it is them who are the giant demons. Um, if we look here, we also see virtues. So we see uh, the, the angel guiding the person and the, the, the person taking care of the others. We also see images of dehumanization. So these are pictures of depictions of, of uh, Japanese as, as monkeys or less than humans. We see that uh, we were considered at once the English pigs. And so we were depicted as, as such. We can see here in the United States, um, uh, we can see that, you know, uh, whenever, a, uh, in, in this example, uh, whenever an Indian is disobedient, it's our right, it's our war to uh, make sure they get into submission or into guidance. Um, we can see here, it is not uh, the English man destroying the other white man, it is the, the, the native savage um, we can see in this one, again, uh, this one happens to be, uh, uh, again, this, this is getting into the 50s and 60s uh, about the red man raping the virtuous women, and it's the job of the uh, virtuous white man to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, we can see here the, the, the man virtuously giving up his land, and so it's not actually stealing it's this, they want us to have this land that they were on. And even in, in child comic books, we can see the, the image of Buffalo Bill taking down the devils and the, uh, uh, after the uh, drum wars of doom have started. Okay, so in each of these, I hope that as you view these uh, different images, it stirs up common prejudices and common stereotypes that even we have today about different societies and different cultures. That even though these were back in this been 1980s, this would have been 1940s, uh, we could see that even back in the 1940s, we, we made sure that uh, Muslim people were seen as devilish or, or deceitful, that this commonly brings up common stereotypes and prejudices even into today. Um, 
And we can see today going beyond the, these past images, if we look at things like Facebook, uh, if we look at Instagram, um, TikTok, they all constantly give a symbolic interactionism about how we should view other people. Um, and today we can see the political divisiveness between Republicans and Democrats. And if we look at the symbols that each of those groups to represent the other side, it often has a dehumanizing and a degrading message. Um, and so the reason why I bring this up is as we go through this course, I want everybody to remember the power of symbols and the power of what we say to other people uh, matters because it creates a symbol within the individual's mind that can be completely and totally inaccurate and leading to someone else's propaganda or someone else's view of how we should view those people. And so I introduce this at this point because here on throughout the class, we need to look at how we are constantly influenced by the symbols and the people that we interact with and the messages we often uh, uh, receive. Because one of the goals of education is for us to recognize when we're being influenced by something that might have something to do with fact, but it's someone's propaganda. And we always have to take that into mind, okay? So I just wanted to bring up that last part about symbolic interactionism, because it is how, it is how we develop our prejudices. It's how we develop our stereotypes. Culture just doesn't come down and say, this is the way you need to view world. It doesn't happen that way. It happens in the interaction between each of us, okay? So I just wanted to bring that up and bring that to light to say that um, we have to be careful about those things, especially when it uh, dehumanizes other people and takes out their individualism and their, their humanness. Uh, and we need to be very careful about that type of messaging, okay? So I wanna go on with just a couple other uh, theories that um, uh, have been influential in the field of sociology, sometimes good, sometimes bad, and one of them is evolution. Um, evolution is, uh, is, is the survival mechanism for an organism within a given environment and therefore increases the likelihood of passing on genetic material. So evolution is about the interaction between a group and their environment and how that environment adapts those individuals to survive within that uh, area, okay? And as we can see that humans uh, uh, have evolved to, to be able to survive within many of the environments here on earth, but uh, not all of them. Uh, and that has to do with that evolutionary advantage. Uh, we're much like uh, the beetle. Um, uh, 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 
someone famously asked a famous evolutionist um, uh, what uh, God would think of the earth. And the, the evolutionist said, he must favor beetles because there's over 300,000 different species of beetles and they can be found almost anywhere on earth. Um, they're even more successful than humans. So just a, a little side note. Kind of some things that we use as humans. Uh, an example is uh, human skin color. Uh, uh, especially here in the United States, it has had an important social explanation versus its biological explanation. So uh, evolution has informed us that skin color has more to do with our ancestry past and where we lived in relation to the equator and how much vitamin D we, we needed. Uh, the closer we are to the equator, the less vitamin D we need to absorb and so our skin becomes darker. And then as we move away from the equator, the skin colors become lighter and lighter. But uh, as here in the United States, skin color is used as a social class. It's used as a, a way to increase our prejudices and, and the like. So we have to see the social interpretation versus the biological explanation to really kind of get through uh, a lot of our prejudice and stereotypes that, 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 that exist. Um, I do want to mention some of the, the, the influences of, um, uh, of uh, uh, evolutionary theory. Uh, there's something that's called social Darwinism, which wasn't even uh, coined by, by Charles Darwin. Uh, rather, it was a social philosopher, Herbert Spencer. And uh, this is this gets a little bit strange because he, he mentioned survival of the fittest in the most inappropriate ways is what Herbert Spencer theorized is that if you notice the uh, development of a, a, a child in, in mom's womb, an infant in mom's womb, it starts out like almost like a evolutionary process. So it starts out as an egg and then it looks kind of tadpole-ish and then it looks uh, more monkey-like and then it looks more, kind of a, a weird interpretation of human development. And what Spencer argued is that uh, dependent on the features of a human adult is determines when they stopped in the evolutionary process of in mom's womb. So, of course, Herbert Spencer put the uh, white man as the fully developed human that came out of mother's womb. But then, uh, for example, uh, he put black people because he felt that their skulls were more monkey-like. He put them at the lowest level of development within mom's womb. He put uh, Asians and whatnot at a higher level. And then the term Mongolian actually comes from this type of movement to denote someone who is somewhere between the black man and the Asian man because they have ape-like qualities, but they also have Asian-like qualities. And indeed, this is where we get the term for um, Down syndrome uh, coming from the, the Dr. Downs who believe that these children, because their facial features did not fully develop in mom's womb, 
And so they came out as subhuman. And I think it's sad that we still use the term Down's syndrome uh, to denote this, this, this uh, developmental uh, uh, disorder, but uh, that's kind of what uh, Dr. Downs philosophized about, philosophized about, I would say. And we can see that based on this, here in the United States, we went through a eugenics movement. This occurred in the early 20th century where people who committed crimes, uh, large minority groups were sterilized in order to prevent the continued development of that race or those people. Um, in fact, we see this largely done with the mentally ill and with people who committed crimes uh, and uh, is probably more, another shameful era in United States history. I bring up social Darwinism because even though it's not accepted as, as it's stated in the past, there is still that uh, prejudice about levels of people. So uh, still here in the United States, yeah, you know, even though it's not accepted to really say this on, on the political correctness level, oftentimes white people are seen as the goal and, and lesser groups are seen as, as, as a deficit. And that's an unfortunate um, uh, still uh, uh, consequences of this thing we called social Darwinism, which is a, an example of bad theory um, and how we can take something that has something uh, and really twist it to fit our own view of the world, okay? All right, does anybody have any questions about the theories that we talked about and how theories can be misinterpreted to create social wrongs in a lot of ways and how uh, uh, they kind of try to work together to give us our view of our social world? Is there any questions at this moment? No. Thank you. Thank you, Keisha. All right. Okay. So I kind of want to talk about kind of a bridge between sociology and, psych and psychology. Um, and that is the, 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 the science of social psychology, which I, I, I admitted to you all that that's the area of my specialization. And uh, the reason why I wanna talk about this is because I wanna make sure we have connections between our social world and how we live it as individuals. So uh, we've added quite a bit of content about, about this, this uh, term social psychology. So this term, um, uh, social psychology is the study of the interaction between the individual and groups and how individuals influence groups and how groups can influence individuals. And I want to kind of play a, a video uh, about the line between good and evil. Uh, as, as Philip Zimbardo put in, in this quote, the line between good and evil is permeable and almost anyone can be in, induced to cross it when pressured by situational forces. 
because what social psychology argues is that uh, the situation that we in matter. And uh, this, this video by Philip Zimbardo, I really feel kind of illustrates how good people, when they're put in the wrong situation, can be induced to do things that are even counter to their own moral values. Okay, so I'm going to stop sharing right at the moment. I'm going to pause the video and and dig me. If there are any educators in the room or just anyone who is interested, if you uh, uh, Google imaginative uh, heroic imagination, uh, they do have a full curriculum about how to help kids develop the 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 idea that they can be a hero in waiting. Uh, because as he did state, most heroes are just everyday people who choose to go against the social norms and instead do the right thing. But I, I just wanted to throw that out there. But it provides, what that video provides is an example about how systems and groups can truly influence individuals despite their potential moral uh, upbringing, their potential uh, ways of really thinking about the world. And really, we talk a lot about dehumanization and, and the way that we talk about other people has a large influence on, on our behavior. So I do want to go back to our, our slide about uh, the ideas behind social psychology is about really how groups influence our behaviors, even in ways that we don't think that they can. Uh, so as I said, the definition uh, of social psychology is the attempt to explain thoughts and feelings of behaviors of individuals and how they're influenced by the actual or implied presence of other human beings. I always think of this uh, definition um, in, in, in when I'm driving at night and there's no one around, absolutely no cars, but I still stop at a red stoplight because I feel like there's someone watching. So just in case, so that's kind of the idea about implied or imagined presence of others. Um, and, and three things that we will integrate into this class is uh, one is group influence and the power of groups and how they can truly even transform people from their counter ideas into something that they normally wouldn't do. Uh, subjective experience and the person matters. So what we bring to a group or to a situation is important, such as our attitudes, our belief systems, and the like. And probably the third, which I think is important, is very small manipulations have large influences on behaviors. Um, and we'll see how that plays out as we move forward. But I think for now, I think we're good for tonight because we've kind of gone into social psychology. We've kind of uh, uh, went through the breadth of social sociology and seeing where we're heading and how these different systems play together to, to influence both our individual behavior, but also influence how our cultures uh, interact with one another.
So I'm going to uh, kind of end tonight. Uh, uh, we're about 7.15. I want to ask, does anybody have any questions, comments, um, anything you want to add to tonight's uh, discussion? Uh, the floor is open to uh, anyone who has any comments or questions. Yes, hello, this is Frank. Hey, Frank. Yeah, uh, not according to this class, but back to the quiz, quiz number one. I took that quiz uh, last week, Friday. I was interested in finding out where I was. So I took the quiz without reading the, the paper or the book or the page that we're supposed to. And uh, I did okay, but not as good as I wanted to. Now, the reason I did that was just to find out where I was at, find out, get my understanding, see if I knew what I thought I knew, which mm -hmm. I found out that I really didn't. Uh, and then I went back and reread uh, the page and found my mistakes, understood why I made them and how I made them. And I went back to retake the quiz and I wasn't able to. Now, I don't know how things were, but I do not learn with one quiz. I mean, this stuff is so open. It's got so many ranges, so many different kinds of understandings and and things that it's, it's kind of difficult to just get correct in one quiz. My best way to learn is to study, make mistakes, and correct my mistakes, learn what I did and, and take it from there. And I wasn't able to do that. I was wondering, are, are your lessons gonna be one quiz so I need to study seriously before I take that quiz or will you give us a second attempt? You know, Frank, I, I'm going to open up that quiz again. I've actually been really debating <laughs> the whole textbook quiz thing mm -hmm. uh, because I don't think uh, it's a true measure of what everybody is learning in the class. No, it's not. That's the and, way I felt about it. And so um, I'll reopen it so that you can just try it again if you'd like to. But I think in the end, I'm just going to eliminate that one. Okay. And what I'm going to say from here on out is what I'm going to say is I'm, I'm going to provide chapters in the book that will prepare you for our class tonight. Okay. Uh, each night so that you can kind of get prepared to, you know, go through the languages and definitions. Um, uh, and I think from here on out, I, I'm going to start act, act, asking reflection questions. Uh, that you can reflect on based on the content of the class and you can relay to me what you have learned uh, so that I know that we're on track, we're getting the information we need. But I really feel like, you know, in, in especially a class like this, um, I, I, I really rethought the whole quiz thing and those multiple choice answers and all that kind of stuff. So uh, can I get a thumbs up or a thumbs down or a, a can, can we agree that we're going to instead do more discussion posts and reflections about what we're learning in the class versus those quizzes? Uh, can we get a yes or a no on that? If you prefer quizzes, that's cool. Um, but I just don't think that really captures what everybody is learning necessarily. I'd rather know what you're learning. Um, than what, you know, the definition of social construction is or whatever. Uh, so are we okay with that maybe going more towards reflections and, and that kind of stuff instead of those formal quizzes? 
I'm all for that. I mean, that's basically what it is. It's a different understandings from different people. I mean, we all have our opinions. Yeah. And just to follow somebody else is it's kind of it's kind of difficult. Yeah. Uh, not only do you have to follow, you have to learn it and be able to express it, understand it, and interpret it. Uh, and it's kind of difficult to do that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think based on the response of everyone here is I think from here on out, what we'll do is is uh, each week, like tomorrow, I'll post what chapters in the textbook to kind of read, prepare for next week's lecture uh, so that you can get some of the definitions down and those types of things. Uh, but then, then our assessment will be just asking you to do some reflection on what we've learned in the classes. I think Perfect. that would be a better way to go. Um, I agree. Okay, okay. And Daniela, I see that you have your hand up. May I please ask, how else will, um, so this paragraph, it's going to be three to four, or I assume the paragraph is four in-depth sentences for one paragraph. You want three paragraphs per one response. So this past reflection has two questions, so that leads to six solid paragraphs in response. Right. Is that correct? Uh Yes. No. <laughs> yeah, I should make that a and, little bit more clear. And then from there, I, I'm a little more aggressive. So this would have to be on time. And that's going to be the baseline for acceptance. That should be um, no tardies because that's very lenient, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. You're correct on that, Daniela. I think what I was meaning by the four or more paragraphs is that you can answer all of those questions within four good paragraphs, not just short you know, little ones, but good, strong paragraphs. So I'm thinking like, um, let, let me do this. Let me be more clear on each question, uh, what, what content, how much content I expect in each individual question instead of just leaving it overall. So let me do that. Um, so you think like, um, like personal opinion could be like two to three sentences and one supportive sentence from a quote, perhaps. I believe in them. Um, empowering right. everyone so that's where the, the skill right here can be transferable to another college um that's a big concern of mine right so right. Help everyone out right yes yes yeah so you know a personal opinion would be three four sentences but if i ask you to explain um social darwinism i'd expect two or three really good paragraphs about your understanding of what that is so that's what i'm thinking uh, but that wasn't very clear in, in that description now. So, so I'll be more clear on the expectation for each answer. Um, that way, you know up front how we can do that. Does that sound all right to everyone? I'm good with that. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Okay. I'll be more clear on the, the length of the questions. So, okay. So we have that cleared up, and I kind of like that idea. Uh, much more. And thanks, Frank, for, for bringing up the, the situation that you were faced with. Um, the quizzes have their place, but uh, I think in a situation like this, it, I'm more interested in what you're learning for yourself and, and in this class rather than whether you know the definition of something. So, all right. Thank you. Appreciate that. Is there any other questions or comments? So we complete this one quiz and that's the only quiz we'll possibly have? Uh, 
Yeah, so so because we missed class last week, and I really want to make sure that we have kind of those contents down, let's finish that one quiz, that one quiz, and I think that'll be it for the semester. And then for the rest of the semester, there might be some that I ask for discussions between all of you. So they might just be either just a reflection that you turn into me, or sometimes I might... Uh, uh, ask for you to have a discussion in a discussion forum. So, um, because there are some topics that I think uh, uh, require more social input for us to completely understand. So I think that's how we'll guide the rest of the semester. Um, Peterson, um, the, the deadline is tonight. Are you gonna extend the deadline or how's that gonna work? Yeah, we'll extend the deadline uh, for, that, for that quiz. I'll put it to next week. All right, a little pressure taken. And, and, and I'll put it so that you can do multiple, uh, you can take it multiple times if you need to. Is the extension just going to be on the quiz or is that for the. Um... No, no, sorry. For the, the reflection. Yes, the reflection question. Sorry, brain fart. Man, you all are pushing it. Um, <laughs> yeah, we a lot can, of information coming in. <laughs> we, we can put an extension on that one it, as well. It was well. hard to come up with the, the paragraphs just because we didn't. It. I mean, for some of like, the first question between the um, theories. So just having you know the discussion with or hearing, you know the, the differences between those kind of. Yeah got the train rolling again so okay yeah i'll extend that one and i'll put more detail on what i'm looking for for each answer okay. wow. does that work for everyone that's a lot of help thank you so much you yes thank you okay I, I also wanted to add one more thing uh i'm living in cells i'm like a quarter mile from the college and I'd like to invite anybody that's from cells or living in cells or nearby uh, to come down to the library and maybe have a group discussion. Uh, Vince is here. And I think there's about three or four maybe other students that are from around the area. It'd be awesome to get together and move things around. If you Hey, hey, Frank, on that end, what I'll do is I'll, I'll uh, do a discussion post about a study group and you guys can maybe coordinate uh, that way um, through in the Canvas. So I'll, I'll, I'll put up a discussion post about a, a study group at the, at the campus for anyone who's interested. How does that sound? Awesome. Perfect. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Okay, just making some notes. We lost somebody, huh? We had 16, now we're down to 15. Yeah, well, well I know that uh, there's a few individuals that are traveling, so, um, and we actually still, I think we have 24 students in the class, so we're still missing some for tonight. So we'll try and uh, motivate them to join us uh, next Tuesday, so. I believe they will. It's a good class. You're a good teacher. We're ready to go. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. 
it's good to have good students. So that always is helpful. All right, gang, let's let's go ahead and follow tonight for tonight. And uh, I'll, I'll do those updates to the quiz and post that discussion group and give more detail on what's expected for that uh, reflection. And then uh, we'll go from there. All right. Sounds good. All right. Everyone have a good night. Good night, everyone. Have a good one. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.